God is glorious in his saints. Welcome to the Christian Saints Podcast. My name is Dr. Darren Ong, recording from Sepang in Malaysia. In this podcast, we explore the lives of the Christian saints from the Anglican, Roman Catholic, and Eastern Orthodox traditions. Today, we commemorate St. Thomas the Apostle. Thomas was one of Jesus' twelve disciples. In the Gospels, he is given the nickname Didymus, which means the twin. St. Thomas is known as Doubting Thomas due to his actions after Jesus' resurrection. When the resurrected Jesus Christ first appears to his disciples, Thomas was not there with them, and he did not believe when the other disciples told him they had seen Jesus Christ risen from the dead. Jesus would appear to him only a week later. We hear of this story in the Gospel of John, chapter 20. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, the twin, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side, stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. It is significant, even though Thomas is known as the doubter, that he immediately declares that Jesus is his Lord and his God upon seeing the resurrected Christ. There is a wonderful reflection on this passage by Father Lawrence Farley of St. Herman of Alaska Orthodox Church in Langley, British Columbia, Canada. This reflection is found on the website of the Orthodox Church of America. Father Farley cast the Apostle Thomas as a model of how we Christians should deal with our doubts. This reflection is titled, What it was that saved Thomas. Thomas had a heart that had taken one too many beatings. Despite his often being stigmatized by later generations 
as doubting Thomas. There is nothing in his past record to indicate such a defect of character. In John's account of Christ's raising of Lazarus, when the Lord said that Lazarus had died and that he was going to enter the cauldron of dangerous Judea to go to him, in John chapter 11 verse 15, the disciples assumed that he meant following Lazarus by dying in his attempt to visit the grieving family. They were properly horrified and reluctant to follow him on such a doomed mission. It was Thomas who spurred them on and said, Let us go, that we may die with him. In other words, Thomas could not bear the thought of letting his Lord die alone, but was prepared to accompany him, even if it meant his death as well. This is not the utterance of a doubter, or of someone who is of two minds. Thomas had wrapped his whole life around Jesus, and that life would have no meaning without him. Like the other disciples, Thomas rode the roller coaster of his Lord's final days. He rode to the dizzying top when they entered Jerusalem and found the road strewn with palms and the air rent with cries of acclamation. He shared their sense of imminent triumph when Jesus commandeered the temple and brought to public humiliation those who tried to entrap him there. And like the other disciples, he rode to the bottom of despair and grief, when the morning after his late-night paschal arrest, the mid-morning sun saw him hanging on the cross. One can only imagine the trauma to his poor, tender heart, the heart of someone who was prepared to die with his Lord during his recent visit to Lazarus in Bethany. They were so sure that Jesus was the Messiah and that his kingdom was at hand. Yet his crucifixion at Roman hands was the indisputable proof, as far as a Jewish mind was concerned, that he could not have been the Messiah. For the Messiah was by definition the conquering king, the one who would triumph over the Romans. Thomas's whole world had been turned upside down in a day. How could they all have been so wrong? He could scarcely bear to try to work it out. Had the Pharisees been right after all when they said he was a blasphemer who worked miracles by the power of Satan? Then came the offer of another ride to the top of the roller coaster. His fellow disciples came and said that he was alive after all and that they had seen him. Thomas could not bear yet another disappointment another blow to his heart. He could not bear to have his hopes ignited, only to be told by them in another day or so that they had been mistaken after all, and that it was a mass hallucination, or that it was only someone who looked like Jesus. Thomas faced them all and drew his line in the epistemological sand. Unless I see in his hands the imprint of the nails, and put my finger into the place of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. They could believe all they liked. He would await the proof from his own senses. Note that Thomas did not say, I cannot believe, 
but I will not believe. This was about decision. Thomas was not doubting so much as choosing, making the choice to withhold belief until he had seen it for himself. It was not a defect in character, but the putting on of armor, and his only way of protecting himself from yet another wound to his already bleeding heart. And yet note the next verse of John's Gospel. After eight days again his disciples were inside, and Thomas with them. Despite his refusal to share their faith, Thomas did not leave the apostolic company. In the months and years they had known Jesus, he had melded them into a unified family. They came from wildly disparate backgrounds. Simon was a zealot who was dedicated to the violent overthrow of Rome, and Matthew was a collaborator who collected taxes for Rome. And yet Jesus had transformed them, so that they were now dedicated not only to him, but also to one another, and Thomas remained with his family. That was why he was with them a week later, when Jesus once again came into their midst. That was why Jesus was able to reveal himself to Thomas, and elicit from him the saving cry, My Lord and my God. There is no reason to think that Jesus would have tracked him down if he had abandoned his fellow apostles and renounced their company. The risen Christ only revealed himself to those who loved him and identified themselves with his other disciples. He did not reveal himself to Pilate and throw back into his Roman teeth the cynical quip, What is truth? He did not reveal himself to Caiaphas to reassert his messianic claim to now sit at the right hand of power. His revelation to Thomas happened because Thomas stayed with his apostolic family and did not leave their company. In doing this, Thomas teaches us also. We are also sometimes subject to doubts about the truth of the Christian faith. Thomas's doubts sprung from a heart that had been struck down by sudden trauma. Our springs from the slow, ceaseless and unrelenting barrage of propaganda from our secular society that inundates us. We in the modern West live in a world washed clean from any trace of God or faith. Everything our senses encounter reinforces the lie. Every book or magazine we open, every movie, television program or newscast we watch, every casual contact or radio announcer we hear. After a while, we grow tired of fighting. Can the whole world be wrong, and we Christians alone be right? A kind of spiritual fatigue overtakes us, and the secular model of reality begins to look ever more tempting. Unbelief, moral, and religious relativism gain ever more credibility. What do we do then? Where can we take our doubts? Thomas teaches us, take your doubts to church, do not abandon your Christian family, or retreat from the apostolic company. Stay in church, praying, privately, and attending the church's public liturgy, and ask Christ to give you the answers, and reveal himself and bring you the truth. If you really want to know the truth, Christ will give it to you. But be clear, 
You must want to find the truth, like a starving man wants to find food. Like a man dying of thirst in the desert wants to find a watery oasis. If you merely wouldn't mind knowing the truth, there is no reason to think you will hear from Christ, for you are trifling with God. God himself promised, You will seek me and find me, when you search for me with all your heart. In Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 13. If you really want the truth, Christ will reveal it to you. For everyone who seeks, finds. Saint Thomas is not just a saint for Christian doctors. He is the saint for all souls who really want to know the truth. And he reveals where the truth is to be found in the apostolic church of the living God. St. Thomas is not specifically mentioned in the Bible after this, but church tradition holds that he travelled eastward as a missionary, bringing the gospel to the Middle East and all the way to India. St. Thomas is a very important and beloved saint for Indian Christians, who believe that the churches and Christian communities that he established in his missionary journey last to this day. St. Thomas's Basilica is a church in Chennai, India, built over the tomb of St. Thomas. The most detailed account of his missionary work in India comes from the Acts of Thomas, which is an early apocryphal pseudo-Christian document. I won't read it here because it contains some heretical ideas about who Jesus Christ is. Instead, I will read a summary of the Acts of Thomas that covers Thomas's missionary work in India. Uh, this summary is written by J. N. Farquhar in his scholarly article, The Apostle Thomas in North India, which was published in 1926 in the Bulletin of the John Rylands Library. When the apostles had been for a time in Jerusalem, they cast lots to ascertain in which country each would preach, and India fell to the lot of Thomas. But he was most unwilling to go. Christ appeared to him in a dream and promised him his grace, but he would not go. Christ then sold him as a slave to a merchant named Habin, who carried him away by sea to India. The starting point of the voyage is not mentioned, but they stopped at Andhrapolis and then proceeding to India, reached the court of King Gudnafar, who wanted a man to build him a palace. Thomas, introduced as a carpenter, received from the king money for the erection of the palace, but he spent it on the poor. The king remonstrated, but miraculous events convinced him that Thomas, by spending the money on the poor, had built him a palace in heaven. Hence, Gudnafar and his brother Gad became Christians. Thereafter, Thomas went to another kingdom in India, 
were by order of the king, whose name was Masdai. He was speared to death by four soldiers. St. Thomas has many different feast days. In the West, his feast day was originally on the 21st of December, but it was moved to July the 3rd. The Roman Catholic Church and most Anglican churches celebrate St. Thomas's Day on the July the 3rd date. The Eastern Orthodox Church and Byzantine Catholic churches celebrate St. Thomas's Day on the 6th of October. And in addition, they celebrate the Sunday after Easter as St. Thomas Sunday, since Jesus appeared to Thomas a week after his resurrection. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Christian Saints Podcast. Look for the Christian Saints Podcast page on Facebook or Instagram, or find us on Twitter at podcast underscore saints. All music in this episode was composed by my good friend, James John Marks of Generative Sounds. Please check out his music at generativesoundsjjm.bandcamp.com. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, please consider giving us a 5-star rating on iTunes or whatever podcast app you use, so more people can find the Christian Saints podcast and be blessed by these stories of God's saints. We will end with the Troparian and Kontakian for St. Thomas the Apostle. You were a disciple of Christ and a member of the Divine College of Apostles. Having been weak in faith, you doubted the resurrection of Christ. But by feeling the wounds, you believed in his all-pure passion. Pray now to him, O all-praise Thomas, to grant us peace and great mercy. Thomas, the faithful servant and disciple of Christ, filled with divine grace, cried out from the depth of his love, You are my Lord and my God.